0: Happy Tuesday and welcome into the Bruce Woolley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, filling in today for Bruce. Thank you for listening. As always, the phone lines are open. If you have something on your mind or a question on politics, policy, or the people shaping both, 844-TALK-989-989 is the number to call, 844-825-5989. Today, I want to get your take on this stat that was in the Harvard-Harris poll released yesterday. 62% of voters feel university presidents did not go far enough to condemn anti-Semitism on their campuses in their congressional testimony. What do you think? Did they? Or do you believe the student's speech should be protected by the First Amendment? Give me a call. Let me know. The Phone lines will be open. I'll show. We'll talk more, by the way, about that Harvard Caps Harris poll on Biden later in the show. Uh, also at 1135, we'll be joined by Adam Hewitt. Adam has 20 years of experience working for two congressional teams and knows Ohio and D.C. politics inside and out. He'll talk to us about the latest on the Hill and answer this hard question. What does it mean to be a Republican? Uh, I want to wrap about Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff, who was on air again yesterday, Ohio House Bill 68, which we've talked a lot about, and uh tip of my hand to a special guest that we'll have tomorrow, but more on that later. Right now, I want to welcome to the show a professor of economics at Cedarville University, uh, Dr. Jared Pynchon, to talk about something that may be flying under the radar, but is a big deal. Dr. Pynchon, welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. How are you?
1: Thank you for having me. I'm doing well.
0: Excellent. And please tell me I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. It's Pynchon, correct?
1: It's Pinson. yes.
0: Pinson. Okay, got it. So the the war between uh, Israel and uh, the Iran proxies, the Hamas terrorist group, involves more than just attacks in Gaza and uh, the West Bank. There's another effort that's been going on for about a month uh, involving attacks by the Houthi uh, in the Red Sea. What what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so the attacks, as you mentioned, have been going on for sporadically for even longer than a month. But in the last few weeks, uh, they began to hit shipping lanes in both the Gulf of Aden and in the Red Sea. And just in the last few days, uh, seven major shipping companies, which account for about 60% of global trade, have begun to not send their ships into those two areas, again, the Gulf of Aden and uh, the Red Sea, which would connect into the Suez Canal. Mm. And they've decided they're now going to uh, divert their shipments around uh, Africa, which is adding about two weeks to every shipment. So it can be a, a quite a major deal when it comes to the supply chain.
0: So in, in the Suez Canal, if I remember correctly, that's the shortest path between Europe and Asia for trade. Um, yeah, that, that is
1: that is by far the shortest and the cheapest uh, path between those two areas.
0: So let's talk about that uh, because I think the average person hears that and goes, 70%, that, that sounds like a, a lot. What kind of goods are we talking about? Because it's not only – Container stuff, I, I, my understanding, it's energy, too. What, what can you tell us?
1: Yeah, so most of it is going to be your your typical container stuff. But uh, we also have major oil shipments that go through there. So I believe it was yesterday or Sunday, uh, BP announced that they're no longer going to uh, send their oil containers into that area. And other oil companies have also considered uh, on, a, on a case-by-case basis whether they're going to do that. And if more than just BP decides not to use that uh, area, again, that's just going to put pressure on prices. It will first hit commodity markets that will run through that. And then later on, it'll hit uh, dry goods uh, because, the, you know, people might hear this and say, oh, no, what's going to happen to my Christmas gifts? Your Christmas gifts were delivered in September. Okay, Goods that aren't flowing through there now is a few months from now. Uh, so if this if this escalates, this could be something that is a headache for several months.
0: So uh, if you had to guess, is this going to be something that we're feeling in January and February? Do you think it goes beyond that?
1: Well, I think we're we're seeing the effect right now in the oil market. So oil is up a handful of dollars. It hasn't spiked in any way, but that's already hitting the market. So that'll hit gas prices if it would continue, you know, several weeks from now. But for the other goods, yeah, you're, you're talking about late first quarter uh, in 2024 is when you would see that. And again, this has to be a sustained uh, problem for this to, to continue. And that's the, the ultimate question is what is the response going to be from, say, the United States uh, and other countries who have a vested interest in keeping those shipping lanes open?
0: So what, what is the United States doing and are there any allies on board with, with helping make sure that that area is safe so that commerce can pick up again?
1: Yes. So the Secretary of Defense is uh, supposed to make an announcement today about what the United States is going to do, what that's going to be is is up in the air. But it will certainly involve uh, the Navy in some way, keeping those lanes open. The United Kingdom has also offered to help Canada, France. What that help looks like at the moment isn't entirely clear. The reality is, is the United States is the only country that has a Navy that is strong enough or large enough to make any sort of impact in this area. Uh, it's an open-ended question as to what they're going to do besides putting a presence there. You could put some some of your larger ships there, uh, but you, they have to be careful because they don't want to inflame the situation even more. Uh, and that's where sort of the geopolitical side is just an unknown at the moment.
0: And I think I read this, but it, these are drone strikes, right? It's not that like there are ships coming in and you know, firing cannons. Uh, is, is that what you're um, hearing as well?
1: Yeah, these these are drone strikes, and that's, that actually makes it even a little more difficult, because yeah. if they were ships coming in, yep. then just the presence of a larger military force would deter that. Drone strikes, uh, and I don't want to go outside my lane as an economist, but drone strikes make it more difficult, because you might have to actually make an incursion into Yemen itself. And I don't mean landing troops, but But missiles could be the option that they would go with if this would escalate. Um, And and that's, of course, the danger. You don't want to escalate a situation that is already uh, on edge.
0: So we're talking about the geopolitical impact. Let's talk about the impact here in the United States. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I go to the grocery store and I look in the cart and I see what $200 buys. I remember what it bought three years ago. It's not close, regardless of what – The White House press secretary would say, how do you think, because right now I'm looking at poll numbers for Biden and, uh, you know, somebody a long time ago, I think, on Clinton's campaign said it's the economy, stupid. It might have been James Carville. This is not good for Joe Biden, is it?
1: Well, it certainly uh, isn't if it does cause uh, prices to increase because the the Federal Reserve has finally brought uh, inflation much more to its historical norm, at least in the last 30 years and if you have a major supply disruption, uh, you, you will see a spike in, in, prices that people see. And, uh, and that's, that's been the battle that's been going on where you'll see inflation right now is around 3%. But when you, would you uh, include, sorry, when you strip out sort of food and energy, it's actually even higher. The only reason inflation's come down the last two or three months is because of how far energy has fallen. Um, and so, yeah, if you have another spike in, in prices, and I'm not saying it's going to go up to 9% again, that would be, that'd be a catastrophic uh, situation, but that's certainly going to weigh on voters because they see that in their pocketbooks. You see that when you go to the yep. stores, yep. and uh, people will vote on the economy in the end.
0: So let me ask you this. What's, what's driving that uh, lowering of energy prices?
1: Yeah, so you've had, um, you've had record production in three areas specifically you have the united states specifically the permian basin uh you have brazil and you have uh, guyana which is actually there's some tension between guyana and venezuela right now with those oil fields yep. but you've had record production there you've had a, a weakening economy in uh, china and they are the largest oil importer so as their economy has slowed from where it was you've had less of a demand so you just have a, a big increase in supply and a drop in demand amongst a major player in the economy, and that has caused prices to come down.
0: So we only have about a minute here, but I was in a separate conversation over the weekend on a totally different matter, and somebody a lot smarter than me um, in the markets said, you know, one of, the, one of the concerns I have is
1: deflation.
0: Do you have that concern now?
1: I don't have the concern of, of deflation. I mean, we might see it in specific sectors. Again, if you look year-over-year, year, oil is, is down, uh, gasoline is down. Uh, but the, the Federal Reserve has shown uh, an insistence of keeping prices positive to, to, to see inflation. So I we, we'd have to see a, a Federal Reserve that would be uh, passive in that. And they've already indicated in their last meeting last week that they are looking at rate cuts next year. Mm-hmm. So... I think if they see any indication of deflation, they will they will do expansionary uh, monetary policy to combat that.
0: That's outstanding insight. Uh, listen, uh, we're out of time already. Time flies when you're having fun, doctor. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> is an wonderful. important matter. And thank you for bringing it to our attention, because this is the kind of stuff that doesn't get covered, particularly as you know we lead into an election cycle in the United States. So thank you for breaking it down for us. We really appreciate it.
1: It was my joy. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, you're welcome. Uh, Dr. Jared Pinson, thank you for being with us. And I'm sure we'll have you back. Thank you for listening to The Bruce Woolley Show on 98.9 FM. The answer, uh, just a reminder, we'll have Adam Hewitt at 1135. You won't want to miss that conversation. We always have a lot of fun. Um, but taking your calls now, 844-TALK-989. Did the students on campuses go too far? Or do they have a First Amendment right? I want to hear from you. Let me know. Hey, welcome back in to the Bruce Willey Show. I quickly want to tell you about my friends at the Freedom Foundation. They are supporters of the Ohio Press Network, where I'm editor-in-chief. The Freedom Foundation created optouttoday.com. When you go there, you can opt out of your union. I don't know if you know this, but five years ago, the Supreme Court said that you don't have to join a union in order to be employed by the government. So you can save your money. The better part is that money doesn't go to union bosses, which we, again, now know monolithically goes to support Democrats and progressives. So thank you to the Freedom Foundation for freeing government employees from union bondage. And you can be freed by going to optouttoday.com. All right. Rick in Columbus, thank you for calling The Bruce Woolley Show. What's on your mind this morning? Hello? Hi, Rick. Uh,
2: yeah, oh, I wasn't sure. I, I'm not too good at the phone. Oh, sure no no worries. On, What's on? <laughs> but, welcome. But Thanks no, for calling. Yeah, I... Um, as far as the, the did the students go too far? Yes, I think they did. I think any reasonable person would think so.
0: What but um, it begs
2: a question? I think. I'm sorry.
0: No, you go ahead. Keep going.
2: I was going to say it begs a question: though, what, what, uh, why did they think that? I mean, it goes to the you know the indoctrination has been going on for quite some time. You know, all the DEI, and I wonder where they're coming from, what, you know, what the students, organizations, so forth are basing you know, why they think that. It just, it's all, it's like it's, we're in two different worlds.
0: Yeah. I, so I want to, I'm going to launch off on that point here in just a minute and, and I'm going to put sure. you on the spot here. What do you think is, too what, <laughs> what do you think is too far? Um, I tend to agree with you. I think when you're talking about genocide, but some people would say, well, they have a, 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 a a right to political speech. But if that speech compels hate, I mean, you know, I look at what the left has said about Donald Trump. First of all, they lied. They, they, they clipped his statement when he said, (laughs) go to the Capitol and peacefully and patriotically protest. They cut that part. And he said, go to the Capitol and and they're trying to charge him with insurrection. So by their standard, this is grossly over the line. But for you, what do you think too far is?
2: Uh, I don't know at what point different people might may be intimidated, you know some people yeah. might might uh view some of the speech and then then give it right back to them but you know at how what point does do you need to de escalate you know it's hard to say you know every everybody's a different situation, but you know the, the just the the intimidation that they're they're fomenting i think is probably maybe a little bit too far. Uh, And stirring things up.
0: Rick, thank you for that. That, And I agree with you. I think when Jewish students are having to hide out in libraries and not go out on campus because they fear uh, being attacked, that's an issue. And there has to be some sort of protection in place so that a person can go outside and, and feel safe. I mean, you know, it's so it's so funny to me. That the people who, who are saying that uh, this is okay are the same people who are preaching diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, unless you're white and unless you're seen as an oppressor. And therein is the issue, and that's what I want to talk about. There, there's been a lot of discussion about – and we'll dive into this throughout today's show – the latest Harvard Caps Harris poll that was released. Trump leads Biden by five, seven when there are third-party candidates involved. But when you look at some of the dissension, if you will, for Joe Biden, or as as the political junkies would say, you got to get into the crosstabs and see what's driving that lack of support. To Rick's point – and, Rick, that was a great call. Thank you for calling. Uh, we are – Seeing the result of the attitudes and beliefs in professors who are teaching our kids. When you have students on campus calling for the genocide of Jews, you go, how did we get here? Well, I call it swallowing the blue progressive poison pill. Here's another example, going back to that poll. 67 percent, Jeff, get this, 67 percent of 18 to 24-year-olds believe Jews as a class are oppressors and should be treated as such. Contrast that with 73 percent of all voters believe this is a false ideology. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot because I – I don't know how old you are. You kind of seem to be close to that range, maybe a little outside it. What do you think?
2: Well, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy what's going on out there. You just got to – I mean, really, you, you, if you look at it without uh, any bias and yep. just see what's happening, I mean, it, it really doesn't – seem that hard to figure out what's going on here one i mean like uh you know I, i've heard many times what happens if if tomorrow we took all the guns away from you know hamas and the radical you know palestinians you know nothing we have peace you know nothing nothing bad happens but if tomorrow you took the guns away from israel well there'd be no israel it'd be gone It it, it just wouldn't exist within 24 hours so you I mean you look at that and it seems pretty straightforward.
0: <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um it, it it to me I I don't know how you get there. Well, I do know how you get there because we've talked about it on this show. And I'm going to talk about it up through the 24 election because I think we're the only we're the only ones talking about it. The the same people who are Activists for the anti-Israel pro-Palestinian groups are, are are cross-pollinated by the same people who were burning, looting, and murdering in our streets in 2020. The same activists. And it goes back to Ferguson, Missouri several years ago and before that. And they march under this same false ideology that – Americans are oppressors. Israelis are oppressors. And that justifies any heinous evil act. I cannot fathom looking at what happened a few months back and not seeing evil. Uh, Later on this week, we're going to have Hillsdale College... Uh, funded school public schools going up in in dublin and we're going to talk about that because that's what we need to do to combat to combat this insanity adam hewitt's with us next so stay
2: tuned